Hello, we hope everybody is safe and healthy. Um, the events of the last week, starting in my home state in Minnesota, have made this a pretty uh, sobering, somber uh, last seven days in our house, and I'm sure in yours. Rebecca, you and I have watched from afar uh, the, uh, I guess, starting with the George Floyd video and um, and the uh, revulsion and horror and uh, national and now international outcry about it and have spent countless hours now asking ourselves, what can we do? How can we help? How can we make this little corner of our world better? And I'm not sure we have good answers for that now, but they're questions that we have to keep asking. I mean, you and I have, since we've been doing this podcast, have never struggled as much as we're struggling today is to think of what can we say, you know, the normal silliness and craziness and whatever of our lives just well, matters so, so little. There has and been no normalcy, no silliness, all too much craziness. And, um, and I don't so much struggle with what to say because um, I'm very happy now and uh, to express my absolute revulsion at um, the treatment of peaceful protesters that we saw last night. And I don't want to turn this into a political show. I don't want to, uh, that's the last thing any of you wants. But it would be ridiculous not to acknowledge we've spent so much time talking about our kids. In my case, Minnesota, I've written two books about my idyllic childhood there. So many people in Minneapolis had no chance of having a childhood similar to mine. And uh, I just wanted to address this. Feel free not to listen. But for those of you who do, I hope we're all allies in this. And I just mean, it's been hard. I mean, we still can't completely wrap our brains around it. Um, you know, as we're, it is difficult finding things to say. And in a bigger way, as you and I have been talking about every day for the past week plus, finding what can we do and, and what is something meaningful, really meaningful that we can do. And we haven't figured that out yet, but I think as long as we continue to look for that, um, we'll be going on the right path. But even... You, you, can know, start, you can start by talking to your children, which we've yes. done. Which is, and we haven't done anything extraordinary, but they've asked us questions about what is going on on the news about um, uh, protests planned in our area and can they attend and about um, and, and one small thing that I've done this week is subscribed to two newspapers, including the Star Tribune in Minneapolis, not only so I can follow the pursuit of justice for George Floyd and the rebuilding of that city that means so much to me and where my family, much of my family still is, but also to support journalism and journalists at a time when journalism and journalists are, are vilified and uh, more vital than ever. 
And I think something you and I have talked about over the years, um, because where we live is um, not incredibly diverse, is how can we make our children's friendship circles a little more diverse? And one of the best ways for me to have that was by playing sports. And, um, and some of the most impactful conversations I've had um, on race have been with women at work, LaChina Robinson in particular, who I work with, and some really, truly meaningful conversations that I never would have had with anybody who wasn't a person of color. And finding ways to try to broaden um, our, not only our knowledge base, but our, our personal um, relationships with people so we can hear and understand firsthand the different experiences people have. But um, this has been a hard week, even after, you know, three months of, of the pandemic, nothing has been a, the gut punch or whatever that this has, because it's so much bigger than that. And um, so much more upsetting. And, and that's why, for me, at least, it's so much harder to articulate. And it's not hard for us. It's painful for us to watch. But so many people that we're watching endure this pain on a daily basis for their entire lives. And we have a great life with a million advantages. And uh, the pain comes from watching the pain inflicted on others. And, uh, you know, let's not just sit here and dwell on this for the purposes of this silly podcast. I feel awkward even in um, addressing it in this forum, but I feel necessary to address it. But um, but unless we get some systemic national change, it, I think despair is is the other option, and and that that's not acceptable, uh, particularly when you have children. Speaking of children. Um Ours are finishing up school. Um, 12, we're in week 12 of learning from home. And uh, they're trying to figure out what um, is next, really. You know, at least they've had sort of the, the schedule of having some class activity Monday through Friday. Um, and now when that ends and, you know, while things in Connecticut are loosening up a little bit in terms of the safety protocols for COVID-19, um, things certainly are still different. Um, you know, we keep the masks in the car because if we're going to be going anywhere, everyone would have to wear a mask. Our, our kids haven't actually been inside any kind of a store yet. You know, we've left the house, but they've been to go on hikes and that sort of thing. So... Can I say something about masks? Yes. It just occurred to me, we went on a hike on Sunday, and I was putting on a mask just in the parking lot where it was a crowded parking lot, but the hiking trails are not. And I, it occurred to me, or maybe it was when I, w I picked up takeout food, I can't remember, but I, I had this, uh, it occurred to me that I don't have, my ears don't have the structural integrity to hold the mask on. Which is weird because they've been holding glasses on your face for your entire life. Maybe that's why. They're built for glasses. These ears weren't built for masking. <laughs> these, these ears ain't made for masking, yeah. Um, so anyway, and also, of course, the problem with glasses and the mask is when you take the mask off, 
the glasses frequently come off with it, so I've learned not to take the mask off. To, t- to take the mask off before I pull out of the parking lot. Well, when you get back in the car and you take the mask off. And, 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 and also, of course, the mask fogs up your glasses. Well, I was just going to say that I, I, I wear my contact lenses all the time. So I noticed when I had sunglasses on the other day wearing the mask that that doesn't work. It just fogs them up. So how do you wear a mask with your glasses and not have it fog up immediately? Well, Is there it, a, a trick to that? It's a mostly hypothetical question because I don't wear the mask in the house and I seldom leave the house. But no, when I do, true. no, there is no trick. The, the mask fogs up the glasses. I, I, I don't, uh, perhaps I should be wearing my, my loops, my puzzle loops and my puzzler's loops and my monocle you while I'm wearing the mask. You actually solve the problem, just wear the one monocle. So that'll be blurry and then the other I just won't be able to see. That Maybe I'll be doing like that. I'll, I'll be wearing a, a surgical mask and a monocle. <laughs> Both for useful purposes. Yes, that would who, be. Who would have thought when I when I dreamt of a ridiculous affectation that a few months later I would be wearing a surgical mask <laughs> and a monocle? <laughs> Just to make it that much more ridiculous. The kids uh, have had you know, school school from home. It's going to be we say school's out in a week or whatever, but school school's out doesn't seem appropriate this year because they won't be bursting through the double doors and running to the. To the bus or the pickup line, nobody will be blaring Alice Cooper's schools out because it will just sort of pass unremarked here at home. And they'll segue from sitting on the couch with their school books to sitting on the couch without their school books. But they're still doing school for now, and our son had to do a science Yes, it was science. Project. Yep. He had to build some kind of energy-efficient machine, and he built a solar oven. Right? Is that what it's called? Yes. Or did he just turn it into an oven and it was supposed to be a solar collection? No, I think it was the project was to see how you can, you know, use... Harness 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 the sun's energy. Yes, exactly. And and our sun's energy uh, was devoted to putting it, building a box, not building a box, taking a box with with no top on it, covering that with a Ziploc bag and putting a meat thermometer... Putting it out on the deck. Putting a piece of black paper on the bottom of the box. Putting that box, cover that box with a Ziploc bag on the top, piece of plastic that you can open with a flap, and putting a meat thermometer in there just to see how much the temperature went up from, I think it was 68 degrees that afternoon. And very soon, the temperature was 150 degrees in the the box. In the hot box. Uh, He was supposed to record the temperature, but... On that meat thermometer, the temperature was recorded as poultry, pork, uh, ground beef. It also had the the number, though. So it did show that it was 175 degrees, but yes, which this, I think was warm enough for um, to slow cook pork. <laughs> this this uh, Latter-day Edison, however, when he when he recorded his, his entries in his journal and sent them off to school, he also got some Tostitos, put some sprinkle cheese on them, stuck them in a solar oven and invited me out on the deck half an hour later for solar-powered nachos. And the cheese had melted, and you had... He, he brought one over to me. He said, here, this is one of the nachos that was made in my solar <laughs> oven. And I said, I don't know, it's like 10 in the morning. I said, no, thanks. I, I, no, you have to have it. Okay, if my son makes me a nacho in a solar-powered oven, 
I better eat the thing. Well, I've eaten so <laughs> many nachos. Remarkable. I've eaten so many nachos in my life and so many of them homemade nachos in the microwave that if my son were to uh, produce the solar-powered nacho oven, which he actually did, uh, in, in my mind, he deserves to be on a stamp. It was um, our, our daughter, her science experiment, she used, did something to do with energy, um, harnessing the energy of a water wheel. But uh, it, was, it was really sweet because our, our eighth grader, who has been going to the same school since kindergarten, so has just completed her ninth year at the same school, um, you know, they're not going to be able to have any um, real ceremony. They're going to have a small graduation, but um, it was really nice. The teachers surprised each one of the kids in the class. There's, I don't know, 25 or so kids in the class, and the teachers um, came by and did like a reverse parade. And um, there's probably, I don't know, what would you say, eight cars full of teachers, and they came by and, and honked their horns, honked their horns, gave a yard sign, and she came out and, you know, waved to them. And it was, uh, it, it, it took the, you know, for us, it lasted, what, a minute and a half. But for the teachers, it took them the entire day. And it was just such a really nice thing to do. And it, and it gave some sort of closure. And it was nice to see the faces that they've only been seeing over Zoom for the past couple of months. And, um, you know, it was just a, a really a really thoughtful thing. And um, it was interesting because when I was on a, a walk recently, I, I ran into a friend of ours and he was saying his wife is a teacher. And it's just as hard for the teachers kind of not to have that closure at the end of the school year um don't have a chance to wrap things up don't have a chance to say goodbye to their students in their normal way and we see it from the perspective of parents and and the challenge for our kids to to not have that but um but it's of course the same for teachers they get a connection with their students every year and and they've continued to teach them but they don't get that opportunity to get a real goodbye so um you know, it's uh, everyone's trying to, f- you know, figure out this end of the school year. And, and it's especially uncertain when you don't really have any idea w- yet what um, what the fall is going to look like in terms of if this kids will be back in school and if they are, if it'll be full time or however that's going to go. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting week of, of schooling as well. And I'm asking for myself, but also for our listeners, is there any uh, progress on WNBA season? And we hope to know within the next couple of weeks. I think um, the NBA's uh, having a vote, aren't they? I think early next week the NBA uh, owners are, are having a vote. And so I would think any WNBA news would come shortly after that. But if the WNBA has a season, it will be a similar model that the NBA is using in that they'll be all on one site, all at one site. They'll be tested. They will be quarantined. Um, the players and team staffs will all be quarantined playing in front of no fans so I'm just waiting and and we uh, who call the games are just waiting to find out a if there's going to be a season and if there is um, how much of it will be televised and if games are televised what that will look like I've heard about the potential from that I would might actually be calling games from our house um, that I would have a monitor, Hollywood, Ryanwood, Lachinawood and, and we would call games from the house um, I've also heard that you know you know, who knows, maybe we could call from a studio in Bristol, maybe we'd call from a site wherever that is. I, I don't know how that would work. But um, 
Yeah, so... Would we be required to set up a craft services table with snacks at <laughs> halftime? Would you have an announce table in the house? Yes. Uh, you. will have to teach one of the kids to do my hair. I'll have to teach another to do my makeup. Um, we'll need a craft services table for before and after the game. Um, during the game, you know, I, I would need to make sure to drink from a straw so as not to mess up my lipstick. There's a whole, whole litany of things that we'll have to... Uh, happen in our house. Is that an announcer trick? I didn't realize. You drink from a straw so as not to mess up your lipstick. I guess that's a, a trick it's for any woman drinking. It's not an announcer trick. Yes, it's just a, if you try not to screw up your lipstick. But, 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 but so if a woman is, and this is, again, hypothetical because I don't think we've been out Oh, and by the way, if I'm calling years. games from our house, obviously I'm not doing my hair or my makeup. Right. or I wouldn't be on camera. I would just be speaking. But anyway, for, for the course of our, of our conversation right now. But this is another hypothetical because we haven't been out in, in 20 years. But if a woman is wearing lipstick and has ordered a martini, does she generally drink that with no, a straw? No, she or? just leaves the lipstick all over the, the glass. That actually makes me think yesterday I saw a friend of mine um, and as we were about to go on, on a walk. And, uh, and she had said you know, she had been to the grocery store somewhere that morning. <laughs> And she had put on lipstick. I don't know why, because anytime you go somewhere, you're wearing a mask, so no one sees your lips. But she said, she's like, I had lipstick on. She goes, and when I took my mask off, I realized that was a bad idea because it was the lipstick stain all inside of the mask. So I wonder how, like, you know, Connecticut's opened um, now to dining outside, but you're supposed to, I think you're supposed to be wearing a mask when you're not actually eating city-like remove the mask, take a sip of whatever, put the mask back on. Like, how does that whole process? I've picked up takeout food since outdoor dining became acceptable in Connecticut or illegal, whatever it is. And I've seen people doing that. And the the wait staff has had masks and and, um, gloves. gloves. I wasn't wasn't searching for the word for gloves. I'm searching for the word for the material. Latex? Latex gloves, yes. Uh, Thank you. And, um, And the... Diners that I've seen have had haven't had masks to say nothing of not having gloves. I don't think if you if you had to wear gloves to eat out, you would probably be staying home. Well, we are. We were staying home, of but, course. Yeah, I don't know. I, and yesterday, when I did my weekly grocery shopping, the Stop and Shop is in the same plaza as the store um, TJ Maxx, which a lot of people who live in New England will see that frequently, and. Um, I think it was the first day that TJ Maxx opened up here and um, there was the parking lot was full. My my friend said she was there later in the day, not she was driving by later in the day and there was a line outside the door because they were limiting the number of people going in. So I'm kind of surprised that people were that desperate to go to TJ Maxx, Um, although I get stuff from there and and have in the past. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Well said. Yeah, I just, uh, Let's get to some viewer mail, shall we? Yes, please. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Hi, Stephen. Rebecca writes, Alana, if your daughter wants to be a true barista, she needs to spell your name wrong. My friend not only trained her daughter to make her coffee when she was seven or eight, but also to add Baileys to it. <laughs> I haven't thought of that. She usually asks if you want Bailey's unless it's Christmas, and then it's automatically included. Life skills are important. Regards, Alana, our resident Canadian. Actually, I did teach our daughter when she was making your coffee in a permanent coffee 
not a mug. What, what do you Tumblr. travel? Tumblr. It was a, my, a, a gift from one of my the teams that I coached. Yeah, but not one that you can write on. So I told no. her I put a post-it note on it and said you have to write her name on it. it was, she she would write down an order number and I said and 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 spell it wrong and and I as an example I gave her her own mug with a post-it on it with her with her four-letter name misspelled. Um, but I don't think she's continued that tradition with you. She'll learn. What she's what's funny is she still does put the um, post-it note on there but it's like a hybrid of working at starbucks and that old school not old school but um old now american express commercial for sue bird number 10 number 10 the guy in the deli and sue comes through if you haven't seen it google sue bird american express commercial it's it's hilarious but so our daughter puts the post-it note on my mug every single time and she writes the number 46 on it because that's my age and uh and she'll just say Number 46, number 46. <laughs> and even if I'm right, I'm like, I'm right here. Thank you so much for the order. Um, so that's what she does. I don't know when my birthday rolls around in October, if she'll change that to 47 or not. But um, but how about her? She She's really, really interested in learning how to cook. And, um, and the other day she said, I want to cook something. And she just, I said, all right. So we just Googled some easy recipes for kids. And one of them that came up and she watched the video was how to make fried rice. And it starts off by you have to fry up some eggs. So she did that. Anyway, she was able to make this delicious fried rice. She's now wanting to make her own eggs. So I still turn the cooktop on because I'm afraid something could go really wrong there. But nine years old and she's starting to uh, be super interested in learning how to cook. She can probably, do you think she can make more things than you can now no she can't she can't operate the four burner grill yet well that's on tonight's menu because she asked me what we're having dinner tonight and i told her we're having some stuff on the grill so either you or i will teach her but that's that's next up for her. Uh, also like we'll it, bring out the steps tool so she can <laughs> see and then uh then she can help grill fried rice reminds me that we had neighbors in suburban chicago when i was born uh, a guy my dad knew anyway named Floyd Rice. Floyd Rice. And I believe it was Mrs. Floyd Rice who drove my mother to the hospital when I was born and my dad was on the road in Cleveland at the time. He did arrive back in time um, to the hospital from Cleveland for my arrival. Very nice of him. Floyd Rice, fried rice. Hi guys, writes Betsy. Greetings from beautiful Chatham, Cape Cod. About the exploding plastic bags after going to the grocery. Yes. You, you, your plastic bags exploded after going to the grocery? No, I'm afraid that oh, they're course. going to explode yes. because you insist on carrying as many as you can instead of just getting the contents yes, that's from right. the car to the to the kitchen safely. I sometimes need reminders as to what this podcast, what we talked, about, what we talked about the previous week. Especially if I wasn't talking at right. the time. Here's how I do it, writes Betsy. I scan everything with my phone and go through self-checkout. I know, Rebecca, you love your checkout person, loved hearing about her horse. I find it comforting to do just everything myself. I don't bag anything in the store. I take my shopping cart with all my items to my car and pack with my cloth bags. I hate wasting paper plastic, paper slash plastic bags. Also, I have noticed it's a kinder, considerate world. People are wheeling their carts back to the corral. Have you noticed the same thing? Well, this email is uh, was sent five days ago Um, thanks so much keep your wonderful podcast coming hope you can make it to the cape this summer betsy i am i actually i actually said this to you yesterday when i got home from the grocery store five days ago i completely would have agreed with her um 
you know, kinder. Yeah, people are returning their carts. Um, what I noticed yesterday, not that it was less kind, but um, people at the grocery store are a little bit more on edge. And um, of course they are. Of course, everybody is right now. But uh, it was interesting yesterday to be at the grocery and just there was a palpable difference in just how people were going about even purchasing their groceries. Uh, this latest comes to us at ballandchainpod at gmail.com from Jackie. Hey, Restiva, although the interest in the interest of honesty, this is probably a Rebecca question. I was watching the Best of Sports Center specials that ESPN has been airing with my husband and resident dog, Uno, with one ball, formerly, because apparently this is the part of quarantine where watching a show of commercials is sports. As someone that's frequently on campus, I had two questions. One, is there just a room somewhere that has every possible mascot outfit ready to be worn and filmed? Two, there are lots of cubicle shots that make it in commercials. Do you have a cube there? Not sure if on-air talent gets the honor. Thanks for keeping us entertained during these times. Um, Rebecca, you had to procure a mascot costume. Yeah, I don't think they have mascot costumes on um, on site. They have, you know, every school's football helmet on site Those if they want to use expensive. that as a prop. Well. Not only are they too expensive, like not just anybody can get into the the costume. Usually, like we borrowed a Jonathan Husky Dog commercial when we did something when Mike Golick um, was paying off a bet. But um, but even last fall, I was up on the UConn campus, and we wanted to do something with uh, the Husky costume the husky outfit and they couldn't do it because the guy or girl who's normally in it was in class that day they like don't just let you use the costume there's i don't even know if it's called a costume they don't even just let you borrow it you have to have certain people in it so my guess is when they do those commercials they actually not only bring in the costume but i think they bring in the person who wears the costume and in terms of the cubicles i do not have a cubicle there um, only the people, I think, who are there almost every day. So our, the sports center anchors, of course, they'll have a cubicle or, or um, I don't even know if anybody has an office anymore, but they'll have a cubicle. But people like me who are not there regularly do not get one of the cubicles. And it's interesting, too, because I think they were, um, over the course of the last year, about to kind of reorganize the way people... Um, Open plan. It was going to be a completely open plan where I think people were even not going to have their own desk. There would be shared spaces or something like that. And now with COVID, as most businesses are, they're going to have to re- completely rethink. Um, the cubicle will be an actual cube with, with a top, a loose site cube. <laughs> it's, it's going to be everybody's going to have their own personal like bouncy castle, a little a little thing where you have to go through the drawers, you keep the air in. It's yeah, going to be something a, where you're tube surrounding enveloped. you with, with six feet of space, guaranteeing yeah. six feet of space, yeah. sort of bumper I, yeah, cars. I don't know what ESPN is going to look like once, once I'm there again. Good morning, writes Greg from St. Louis, our resident Chelsea fan. I loved listening to how your son purchased gold panning equipment and started to use it. When I was about the same age, my family took a trip to Yosemite National Park. There was a creek by our campsite, and I decided I wanted to pan for gold. The funny part was when my sister distracted me and my parents would put a piece of fool's gold that they secretly purchased at the gift shop into the pan. I thought I was rich for about two days until they broke down and showed me the small canvas bag of fool's gold. 30 years later, and we still joke about this, I hope all is well and stay safe. Thank you, Greg. Same to you. In fact, I, I can only say this because there's zero chance of my son ever hearing this. Um, my dad, his grandfather, who loves also hearing about him panning for gold, sent me five 
fake gold coins that some charity sent to him. And uh, he asked me to distribute them in the creek when he's not looking so that he can find them and to film his reaction. Now, I don't know that he's going to react um, credulously to finding gold coins with St. Jude's Hospital or whatever is embossed on them. I don't know what it is, but, uh, but I hope he does. And uh, I will do that and see if he feels like he has struck gold. Will any part of you feel bad about that? Every part of me will feel bad about that, but but I would feel <laughs> but worse. You've been told to do so by I your would, father. I would feel worse, yes, <laughs> if I didn't participate in my father's grand deception. All right. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca and Steve. Writes Janice in Colorado. In the last podcast, Rebecca talked about getting fresh blueberries. I grew up in eastern Connecticut, and my parents had a fairly large blueberry patch. We picked and boxed the berries and sold the fresh blueberries on a roadside fruit stand. My mom always had copies of blueberry recipes for folks to take along with their blueberry purchases. Attached is my mom's recipe for a blueberry buckle. Oh, okay. Make sure that you forward that to me. I will. I, I will like that blueberry buckle. I, I have, it's been years since I've had blueberry buckle, and I trust if didn't they I, had a blueberry patch that certainly this there can't be a better blueberry buckle recipe than this. Didn't I ask you recently what buckle is yeah last week that's why this email's coming oh in. of course we talked about blueberries oh that was on the podcast yeah it was i, I can't distinguish I anymore know you can't so just keep reading okay although she is not the original author of the recipe it is it one of the things she was known for in our small town of columbia whenever there was a bake sale for the for the pta or church or whatever folks would wait for irma's blueberry buckle or blueberry pies to arrive and they would be bought up very quickly when she passed in 2011, we distributed copies of the blueberry buckle recipe at her funeral service to continue this happy memory of her and her baking prowess. My mom was a big fan of yours, Rebecca, and the Yukon Huskies. I know she would think it would be cool that you may try her, in quotation marks, blueberry buckle recipe. Thanks for continuing your podcast during all the craziness. May you and your family stay safe and healthy. Kind regards, Janice. Janice, thank you, Rebecca. You will absolutely oh, make Irma's blueberry question. buckle and, and serve it to us, right? Yes, and you will. I know you don't love having blueberries baked in your goods, <laughs> but you will try it. And um, that makes me think and wonder, what what would you want passed out at your funeral? It's, I don't think it would be a recipe, but say it was, you know, something like that. That's lovely. They, one, one they thing passed I wouldn't out her mother's blueberry buckle well, recipe. One thing I wouldn't want passed out at my funeral are the mourners. And therefore, <laughs> I adhere to my dad's. Uh, edict to me. My dad, by the way, turns 86 today, the Wednesday that you're hearing this anyway, tomorrow as we're recording this. So happy birthday to him. He's not listening to this uh, and we'll never hear that. But I I will also call him just just to make sure. And our final viewer mail comes in from Dr. Gary Siegel, uh, the header of which, Beck, is I miss baseball too and what's up with fruit? Which does he tackle first? Well, let's let's find out, shall we? Uh, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I'm so glad to hear that you're faring well as we get into double-digit weeks of quarantine, along with you and Dave O'Brien, our Atlanta Braves ink-stained wretch. Uh, I miss baseball as well. Dave, Not Dave O'Brien, your friend who is the Red Sox TV announcer. There's another Dave O'Brien. Dave O'Brien, who was the Braves beat writer, baseball writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and now I think with The Athletic. Anyway, both Dave and Dr. Siegel miss baseball. Mr. O'Brien posted this attached picture to his Instagram account just this past weekend, and there's a picture of Buttermaker, Walter Matthau, the great coach of the Bad News Bears, Mm -hmm. Chico's Bail Bounds, one of the great sports movies of all time. Dr. Siegel also attaches pictures of his his, um, grandkids, delightful, and uh, has two points he wishes to make here. One, 
pies should be made of chocolate. <laughs> or if made with a fruit, that only apples should be used. Uh, absolutely. Pies should be made with chocolate. Oh, oh, he says two things that I mentioned in the last podcast. He's not make, remaking my point. He's, he's, he's making his own point that pies should be made of chocolate. Chocolate. Cake should be made of chocolate. I'm not sure pies should be made of chocolate, although, you know. He must like like chocolate cream pie or yeah. something. I don't know. Anyway, okay. Pie I mean, should be a made key of lime chocolate. pie. I like that's not chocolate. I like I like that that pie that has the Oreo crust kind of a thing. Yeah, but this this minty. isn't your. Okay, this, this is isn't not. Your, that's right. Not like, the Oreo. Let, the let the minty. Anyway, what, is, what does Doctor Siegel think? Doctor Siegel thinks this is his his pie manifesto. One, pie should be made of chocolate or if made with a fruit that only apples should be used. Coconut, which is a fruit, a seed, and a nut is also acceptable in a coconut cream pie. Blueberry question mark. Blackberry question mark. Please. So we need to introduce Dr. Siegel to Irma's blueberry buckle. Yes, clearly. Yes, and two, there is an area of men's brains which registers extreme displeasure when a man bites into a cookie and finds a raisin instead of a chocolate chip. I imagine that must. This is me talking now. That must apply to women as well. No. Oh, I, I de- I'm sure it depends on how surprised you are. Like if I'm biting into an oatmeal raisin cookie. And I meet a raisin, I'm happy about that. But if I was biting into a chocolate chip cookie and met a raisin, that wouldn't resonate so well. Well, similarly, writes Dr. Siegel, there is a jackpot area of the... <laughs> similarly, there is a, quote, jackpot area of the brain that gets stimulated when you find a chocolate chip instead of a raisin in an oatmeal cookie. That's a big winner. Oatmeal raisin cookies are perfectly acceptable if, and only if, they are clearly known beforehand to be oatmeal raisin cookies. When they masquerade as chocolate chip cookies, well, that's a problem. See, All I, the best, Gary. Oatmeal, I, that's my favorite kind of cookie. So if I find, if I think it's a chocolate chip cookie and instead it's an oatmeal raisin cookie, I'm actually happier. By the way, that reminds me, Dr. Siegel asked last week uh, about a signed book, as did another viewer mailer. I will get those out. Uh, I, I will reply to you this week, I promise you. And... Um, that's all I have, but that's that's enough for one week. Yes. So, Tom Dick Hari, please play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane